Welcome to the Stronger for Trails podcast. My name is Matt and I am super excited to have Jacob Tonkin here with me, who is one of my fellow Salomon running ambassadors. He is a, a very good fell runner um, and he is also going to give us some advice um, on how to stay fit and healthy and injury free um, on the trails. How are you doing, Jacob? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. I would personally use the term bang average fell runner rather than very good, but thanks for that. Yeah, well, you know, we've got to big you up. Otherwise, people are just going to turn the podcast off straight away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Jacob, I want to go right uh, back to the beginning. When did you start running? So, well, running itself would have properly been 2015, but... I've grown up in a very sporty family where my parents would take us out walking on the fells most weekends. My nana and granddad were, my granddad was a very, very good fell runner. My nana was, he's a former orienteer and British champion. So it's wow. just something I've grown up doing. But personally, when I was at school, I was a little short, fat kid. So it kind of took me till my late teenage years to sort of shed all that puppy fat and then developed my own sort of interest in wanting to go out fell running. So I joined Keswick Athletics Club in 2015, and that's when I sort of pushed on and classed myself as um, a runner um, rather than someone who just, you know, played football and rugby with the mates at the weekends. So <clears throat> properly since then, uh, since 2015. OK. And your, your sister's an international rugby player, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, me. I've got two two younger sisters, so the the elder of the two plays rugby for Scotland. Right. So there's quite a lot of uh, competition between us two. Um, over who, like when you know if she comes back, she wants to come for a run with me, and I'm thinking, no, this is my sport. You've got rugby, and she'll be keeping up with me. And I'm like, ah, oh, so I've got to drop her on the descent or whatnot. And then you know, if we're lifting stuff, she's like, oh, I'm bigger and stronger than you. Because I've got my little puny fell in her arms these days. So, yeah, it's good to have that competition. She is probably the only person in the world that I am, I would class myself as very competitive with because I just want to be her, but I'm never going to be an international rugby player. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think she's uh, she's got you there, mate. Um, and tell us a bit more about your, your grandparents. So that's, that's amazing. I know um, you've spoken kind of, you've done videos and things for Salomon about your, your grandfather. He was quite the runner, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, my, my granddad was well, my hero in life. Um, so they used to run the youth hostel at Borrowdale, um, which is sort of where fell running was born, pretty much. You know, it's right in the heart of the Lake District, surrounded by the biggest fells, fells in, in the country, really. Um, and yeah, you know, he, he used to just go out for runs on his, on his lunch break and he did like the, the very first Lakeland 100 race and he got just under 24 hours. Which and he finished tenth, so wow. it just shows you how how good that race was back then when it started. Now, if you got under twenty four hours, you know you'd you'd be in the top five or so. Um, and yeah, he's done the he did the Bob Graham uh, in nineteen eighty, and he did it in twenty one and a half hours. Um, he's, he did fifty peaks at the age of fifty in twenty four hours, um, and then in. Towards the you know later years, he was he's now more of a, a cyclist than a runner because he's you know getting on a bit and his knees are a bit sore. <laughs> um, but you know, likewise, he's done he cycled Lands End John O'Groats. So I've you know I'm sort of now 
in a position where I'm trying to sort of recreate everything that my granddad did. So I've done, I've cycled the end to end. I'm now hoping to have a go at the Bob Graham and get as close to his time as I can. Um, and the past couple of years, I've tried to spend it trying to get as close to all his times for the, the Lakeland classes, Classic Fell races, um, which I've managed to beat him at a couple. But there's still a couple out there which are just a little bit too quick for me at the moment. But hopefully one day, hopefully. That's amazing. I mean, I love um, looking back at all those old photos um, of the the guys that, and and girls running on the, on the trails and the fells. Uh, you know, we've got all this, we're both Salomon Ambassadors and we've got gear coming out of our ears. Um, and they're just in their little short shorts and vests and probably, uh, I don't know, high-tech trainers or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's the classic Kelly Hansen base layer look with your, with your Walsh Fellerin shoes. And that's what everyone wore. And now, if I go around in my kit, like my granddad, he's like, have you been running? Because I'm there sort of like head to toe in Solomon looking like I've just come up catalogue. <laughs> like, Bloody hell, we didn't have that in my days. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. And yeah, I bet he has uh, lots of stories to tell. And um, as I say, from kind of what I've seen and heard from you uh, previously, he sounds like the, the ultimate inspiration for, for trail running. Oh, yeah. Me, me nan and granddad are just, every time you go around to see them, you know, you just get stories. And <clears throat> in the past recent weeks, now we've come out of lockdown, I've been doing quite a bit of orienteering. So after every single event, I go around to my nan and granddad's with the map from the event and my nana sits down and talks me through what I've done wrong. And she's got this ability to look at a map, having not done the event herself, and she can tell me how and where I went wrong. And it's just, you know, I love, I just find any excuse to go and spend time with them really and just get as much information off, off them as you can, you know, hear all these stories. And then hopefully, you know, in my late life, I've, had enough of it adventures myself so I've got stories to tell as well yeah for sure for sure and I'm sure you will have lots of stories to tell the grandkids um just uh while we while we're kind of before we go any further I think it would be a good um good for you to um explain exactly if you can what the difference between fell running and trail running is because this is a question I get asked a lot and you know being down in uh in Surrey which is like you know flat yeah. compared to where you are um it's quite hard to explain to people so let's get the ultimate definition from from yourself Jacob so this is my understanding of it so I'm sure other people have like you say it's one of the most commonly asked questions but I've always thought of it as like Felwin's what we in the Lake District call hills and mountains so it often goes over the tops of the fells. You're going from summit to summit. And usually it's however you want to get there. So you're not really on paths very often. You're often going over, you know, pathless, boggy, tusky grass, down scree over the roughest terrain as possible. Um, so fell running itself started with the, like the town and the county shores that used to well, still happen in the Lake District. And it was the mountain guides who used to do a race. So they'd normally race from the classic ones, Grassmere, where it first started. And they'd go from the shore field up to the top of the local fell and back. And the, it was just the mountain guides. And, you know, the person who won that usually got the most trade afterwards because he was the fastest person to do it. 
Um, at these village and you know county shows, there's all different classic Cumbrian sports. There's Cumberland wrestling, gurning, uh, the biggest liar competition. And these are all pretty cool things which just seem to happen in Cumbria. Like I don't know anywhere else that does Cumberland wrestling. I mean, I don't think you'd know what Cumberland wrestling is, do you? Oh, mate, I do it all the time. No. I'm always, I'm um, always doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll do another podcast where we speak about Cumberland wrestling. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's what my definition of fell running is. Trail running, in my mind, is usually following, following a route, usually on a path, and normally in the Lake District, it's in the valleys. So you're going over the passes in between valleys, but you don't necessarily go to the tops of many, many fells. And because it's a path, you don't usually have to do that much navigation yourself. It's either way marked or, you know, you follow flags. So that would be how I'd differentiate the two. Okay. I, I like that. I like that. Um, turns out I've done more fell running than I even realised. Yeah, you probably have. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So um, so you got into... Uh, Fell running, trail running, um, and you did a you did a few races, including as you've already mentioned some of the the classic fell races um, in the lakes and a, a few races abroad as well. Um, and then in 2018, if I've got my facts stolen off the internet correct, um, <laughs> sadly you you became a little bit ill. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it all started one one Wednesday night when I'd gone up to the Northern Fells, like the Northern Lake District Fells, um, and it was in the last sort of mile of a race, which I was having a really good race. It was only a seven mile race with about two and a half thousand foot of climb. So it suited me at the time pretty well. And there's a mile left downhill. And I'd always pride myself in my downhill ability. I'm thinking, right, I'm gonna absolutely hammer this now. I was in about 12th position. I was thinking, oh my God, I could maybe sneak into top 10. And I was hammering it down and then suddenly I just had to go to the toilet and I had to stop and find a bush and I dropped down and I finished way back in the field because I spent that long on the toilet. Initially thought I had food poisoning. I was meant to be going out late that night pacing someone on there, Bob Graham, and I was just sat glued to the toilet thinking, oh my God, I can't go. <clears throat> After a while, it sort of subsides and I was thinking, oh, I'm all right. I'll be okay. And then for a couple of months afterwards, I just had on and off periods where I'd get up, go for sand, go for a run, have to go to the toilet, then realised that I was seriously wrong, seriously ill. And, you know, if I was doing a 5K run, say, I'd have to stop at the toilet six, seven times in that oh, wow. distance. And, you know, it's it's awkward because you have to find somewhere you go. It's, you're taking toilet roll with you. You have to, you know, dispose of dispose of all the poo you're making yourself so <laughs> it's just yeah it was crap so I started going to see doctors they initially thought I was celiac and I was lactose intolerant so I did a few months of cutting both them out of my diet and I got a little bit better but then it came back with sort of fiery vengeance and then you go into the toilet and it's just like blood coming out which is terrifying and I was I was only 23 24 at the time so it's you know, scary thing to be going through. And it took me, it took me till January 2019. So it's practically a whole year, nearly 18 months, um, that until I got diagnosed of actually having Crohn's disease. And then since I've had that, I mean, I got to a point when I was that low, I had to completely stop running. I couldn't train. I was struggling to go to work. 
Um, and I, I really didn't care what was actually wrong with me. I just needed to know what it was because I knew that there would be some form of, of treatment or some other people who have got that same diagnosis so that I could move myself forward and, and sort of just get on with my life because it just completely took over. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, luckily, I managed to find a brilliant doctor over in the, in the northeast in Newcastle um, who... He sorted me out pretty quickly. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very glad I went over there because not only did he sort me out, then I also met my girlfriend who was from the Northeast. So it oh, had nice. a, a funny way of, of tying itself in, to be honest. But I'm now on I'm now on medication for my Crohn's and I can control it with that medication and also with, with my diet. But I just have to, you know, it's still adapting to this new way of life, really. And you know, we're in 2021 now, so, you know, it's sort of two years on from my diagnosis and I'm still discovering things that I can't eat. I'm still discovering how my body needs to recover from training, how I can absorb enough nutrients. So it's it's a learning process that I'm, I'm still going through, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it must have been super tough, like you, you were doing all these uh awesome races and really getting into into your running and then um sadly this happened and as you mentioned probably the unknown was the worst bit correct me if i'm wrong um and yeah it's i think it's um you know it's it's obviously part of your story but there'll be people listening to this that might be going through uh similar things you know not exactly the same but you know it could even just be an injury or if for some reason they can't run um and uh and i, I guess the uh the moral of the story is that you can come out the other side and um you know start doing races again and you've just got to manage whatever the, the situation is that you found yourself in oh massively yeah and you know the, the people who are going through similar similar issues or you know struggling with long-term injuries and they can't see that light at the end of the tunnel it's it's to quote captain tom in that you know tomorrow will be, <laughs> tomorrow will be a good day and you know you've just got to keep trying to stay positive because if you are worrying about it all the time then you can sometimes make them even worse because then you're losing the psychological battle so it, you whatever it is there will be a time where you you know you know what it how to deal with it and you've just got to just go through it especially with with Crohn's disease so many people I talk to it takes them takes them anything from 18 months to two years to get that diagnosis and then once they get the diagnosis they then move along in the you know move along with the progression really quick and you know you're getting all the scans done you're getting all the tests done then before you know it you're on some medication which will at least calm down some of your symptoms you're going through so as horrible it is and I don't know why the setup is and it takes so long, but you've just, once you get in the system, you'll move through so quickly. It's just getting yourself into that position at the start, which seems to be the hard thing. But there's some really good charities out there. You know, there's Crohn's and Colitis UK who've got loads of good information. So if people are really struggling, then, you know, they're probably the best people to, to contact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so how how was the, the process of once you'd kind of um, you knew that you had Crohn's disease, you were on your medication and you thought, right, OK, 
now to to try and get back to what I love doing were, were you nervous that you wouldn't be able to do it um how was that kind of the I guess those first few runs and um and the, the process of, of getting back to to full fitness so the day after I got my diagnosis I went and got a dog and it was the best decision I've ever made in my life and he was seven weeks old when I eventually got him and he obviously I was starting at ground zero you know he was starting at zero and we progressed each other along and it took me you know that was in the January it took me till till about the May June time before I could properly start running again and having having my dog George with me who at the time was big enough to come for little tiny you know two three mile little jogs and he'd come with me once twice a week and I was getting better without thinking about it because I was sort of putting all my attention into getting George sorted so that he could come running and we he, he helped me you know incredible I can't really put into words how much George helped me with getting my life back to what it is now. Um, but the first runs were, were, were hard, you know. You, you're sweating, you're feeling so out of shape, you're thinking, oh, my God, have I completely forgotten forgotten how to run? I didn't dare do any downhill because I just thought, if I run a downhill now full pelt and I'm really slow, it's going to make me feel even worse. So I just stuck to flat, just took it nice and easy, you know, I enlisted the help of my my coach, Dave Troman, who, again, has helped me loads in just getting my consistency back and sort of taking the pressure off me, having to worry, thinking, all right, what am I doing for training this week? And, and you'll have, you know, clients, similar patients with you, who, who like to be told, this is what you're doing this week. You don't have to stress about it yourself. It's your coach's worry. That's why you're paying them, paying them the big bucks, almost. And then you can fit that you can fit that in with with your life. So, yeah, if if people have been in a similar thing with me, my two pieces of advice would be get a dog, and get yourself a good running coach who who wants to listen and will understand what you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. I, obviously, I agree. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, but uh, no, yeah, and um, I remember like. I uh when I think it was when you were starting to get back into it was when I kind of uh first met you um and uh yeah it was nice to see you taking even though I wasn't 100% familiar with the the backstory to to see you kind of each week kind of posting on Instagram I, I've done this I've ticked this off I've done that I've done that I'm feeling better I'm feeling better I'm I'm getting back to to where I was so um yeah that was that was nice to see and so what kind of um races and events have you done since you uh you've been back in the game yeah so i mean since i've gone back i mean i've massively found that i now try and run well i can run every day if i want to now and you know my recovery is is pretty good so i feel like i've gone from being a petrol engine at the start of all this fiasco to now being more like a diesel engine so I can go longer. I don't, I don't know if I'm as fast as I was, or I don't feel as fast as I am, or I was. But at the same time, I've you know been setting PBs and everything for races, so I must be faster. But I don't feel like I've got that zip that I used to have. Um, so, yeah, my first race back was the Latrig Fell race, which is it's only a two-mile race. Um, the record for that is insanely quick. 
So I did that and I was struggling to walk for about three days afterwards because it's just straight up, straight down. Quads yeah. are absolutely shot to hell. Um, and yeah, since then, I just tried to do as many fell races as I could. I cried after pretty much every fell race I did because I was just that overcome with emotion that I was able to do it again. So it kind of came this big thing at the end of a race, like, oh, where's Tonka? Oh, he's over there crying by the toilets. That'd just be like bawling my eyes out just because I've managed to do it again. And so, yeah, I mean, I always tend to favour sort of the, the medium to long races, which in fell races would be like a short, anything under six miles, a medium's six to 12 miles, and a long is anything over 12 miles. So around about 12 miles with three or 4,000 feet of percent is, is my sort of favourite race to do. Um, so like, you know, the classic ones like Langdale, Horseshoe, Borrowdale, Fell Race, uh, Cordell Horseshoe, races like that, which I know I can have a good a good run at because there's a good mixture of rough terrain and, and you know, good descents, which I can absolutely, absolutely batter down. Um, and then I, I managed to get myself back into the one of the Keswick teams for the British Relay Championships, which were held down by, is it Lady Bower Reservoir? I think it's down near, down near where Kirk Hardwick lives. Yeah. Um, so I went down there, managed to do well in that. It's quite awkward in our club now because there's, there's me, Jacob Tonkin, and then there's another Jacob, which is Jacob Adkin, who was for two well, the past two years like uphill mountain runner champion, um, and he's yeah insanely quick. And for there to be like two or three letters difference in our names, we can often get mixed up. So I was there thinking, oh shit, I was in the B team at the time, and Jacob was on the last leg for the A team, and we were in the start pen together. And I was thinking, please God, don't let this guy get the Jacobs mixed up, and I've got to go and be the anchor man for for the you know the A team. I was thinking, I'm going to do it about twice the time that it take Jacob Atkin to get round. <laughs> These, uh, I, I love the uh, the idea of the the relays. I mean, it's something. I, I mean, obviously, as I said, we don't really have fell running down here, but um, there's not many, um, or at least I'm aware of those sort of events. Um, down south, as you would say, um, but, uh, yeah, it sounds like like great fun. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I would like to. This is your chance, Jacob, to promote your business. Come on, let's get you loads of loads of clients. There'll be people traveling all over the country to to see thousands you. of miles to come and yeah, see you. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell us about your your business. So I am a I'm a clinical sports massage therapist which is a very confusing title to most people so it's sort of in the realm of being a body mechanic um which is dealing with with injuries normally helping people with alignment issues it's a bit of a mixture from from sports massage to physiotherapy to being an osteopath to you know chiropractic stuff like that so it's kind of taking the best of a lot of things and putting them together. So the lady who trained me actually lives in Keswick herself. And it was really surreal because I was literally walking across the street to get to her house. And there were people traveling up from Cornwall, from London, coming down from Glasgow and Edinburgh. So yeah, I was sort of here and she now, her clinic is, is a couple of hundred yards up the road from where mine is. So if people come in to see me and I'm not hundred percent sure, we can often get an appointment where there's me and Sue together with my patients. We can put our heads together to see 
what's what's really going on. So obviously, I've, I've played a lot of football, rugby growing up. Um, you know, I'm now a runner, so I deal with a lot of of those sort of injuries, um, and I have done for you know for most of my life really, either them happening to me or happened to my friends, or now in a professional sense where I'm now starting to to help people out. So I yeah, on a regular basis, we'll have people in with with various sporting injuries, um, and you certainly get to see a very good wide variety of, of people and, and injuries. So, you know, I like to think that I can help most injuries that, and people that come through, or, or if they can't, I'm, I work quite closely, like I say, with the lady who trains me, with specific chiropractors, with people who do acupuncture, or, you know, GPs as well. So that's what I do, basically, yeah. for work. And, and for anyone uh, Googling, it's uh, Tonkin Massage Therapies, is that correct? That's true, yes. Um, so what's the uh, I I assume you you see lots of lots of runners Um, what the the most common injuries that people come to you with so well certainly after this lockdown after lockdown the first one uh, it was knees everyone had a problem with the knees and the thing I I thought it must well most likely cause of a lot of it was everyone was allowed the one trip outside to exercise so you'd go out you'd do a little bit too much because you're only allowed to go out once a day. And so people who would normally maybe run three miles a day were trying to push and do do double that every single day. And then you'd come back inside and the weather would be nice. So you'd sit in the garden and that would be it. And if you had your legs up on something, you know, like a, a footrest, you'd find yourself in that position for hours or you'd go inside and be watching Netflix. So there was a lot of what I've labeled lockdown knee, which is basically just runner's knee. Um, <clears throat> purely brought on by Boris Johnson saying we have to stay at home. So <laughs> um, I, I found I found with um, with I won't say any names obviously, but with some of my clients who have been kind of complaining about little niggles, knees, and things like that, um, is basically what you've just said that they're all sitting um, at homemade desks and things like that, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. or or sitting on the couch and doing their emails or you know just in unusual positions and not moving around very much and um and we found that you know by kind of um sort of putting this idea into the head that they need to move around a bit more and stop sitting with your feet up so that your legs are bent the wrong way and things like that and that's kind of solved a lot of these issues yeah i've I've had a guy who's seen me and he's ended up with a meniscus issues the cartilage in his knee because he always has his legs up on a footrest and he always crosses his left leg over his right leg. And so his right knee ends up extending too much. So it's almost like dipping down so that the bones are more or less pinching the meniscus in his knee. And I've watched it. I watched him run. I watched him walk. I watched him do everything that he normally would do. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And then he was in with me one time and he put his legs up as he sat. And I looked, could see his knee dipping down. I said, that'll be what it is. Yeah. Like all this thing of we've gone, been going through how he's been sleeping, you know, different shoes. And it was just something as easy as that. So sometimes, you know, injuries aren't what necessarily caused by what you think they are. And we've always been taught to sort of treat what you find rather than trying to make up scenarios in your heads. Um, and yeah, I think lockdown has brought on a few 
definitely brought on a few issues in people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I'm that person. I sit with my legs crossed on a, with my feet up and um, sometimes I get to stand up after I've done a long run and I've been watching Netflix in the evening. I <laughs> collapse on the floor. <laughs> well, every, everyone's guilty of that. Even, yeah. I, even I do that. I mean, sometimes you just can't be bothered to do it, but like most of the things that I would give people to do as sort of aftercare for my treatments are all things which which you can do in small little bursts and you're better to do little and often throughout a day rather than trying to set aside half an hour, you know, period to try and do the exercises you're given or, you know, some self-massage. Because if you have half an hour and you think, right, I'll do this, you'll be five minutes in, you'll be on your phone flicking through Instagram, Facebook or whatnot. So but if you can try and do them in bursts of, you know, like two minutes here and there, if you do two minutes six times a day, you know, you, you've done 10 to 15 minutes that day. So I've got various like tennis balls and hockey balls and cricket balls dotted around the house, which my dog thinks is great because he's constantly finding them and moving them. But <laughs> if, I'm waiting for the, if I'm waiting for the kettle to boil, I can be working into the glutes against the side of the wall. If I'm brushing my teeth, I've got my balance cushion so I can keep my ankles strong. So it's just little and often is, is the best thing to be, to be doing. Yeah, and it, it doesn't feel like such a big deal then either. Then does it? You, you know, you don't need to get in your sports kit to to do these things. And no, um, no, and you don't need to put it on Strava that you've been doing your <laughs> your S and C <laughs> or Instagram. We don't need yeah, to see. Instagram. We don't need to see everything. Um, no. Okay, so so there's a there's a couple of uh, top tips already, um, uh, which is kind of. Um, was going to be my next question so what um, obviously you see a lot of uh, people and and hear a lot of stories and see a lot of injuries um, from runners so what's um, what are your kind of top tips um, for everyone that's listening to um, perhaps reduce the uh, the chances of, of getting injured yeah so obviously with trail running fell running we're off road so every footfall is completely different if you're running on the road, you've got that uniformed tarmac, which each footfall is going to be virtually the same thing. <clears throat> so I've found in my own running that doing a lot of balance work, so using a wobble cushion, um, which is you know basically like the big stability balls, but a squash down version of it. Um, I don't use one with a hard top. Mine's just sort of soft all the way around because it gives you a little bit more a little bit more wobble to it. So standard leg doing, you know, little, ex, well, sort of extended running motion with the other leg. So you're standing on one leg to stabilise yourself. The other leg's going to sort of reach as far forward as you can. It's then going behind you to reach as far. So you're going through that running motion whilst you're able to work all the little tiny muscles in your feet and in your lower leg. Um and then trying to, you know, find other ways of doing things. So you could be doing a few lunges onto it. You could be doing a few squats on them. I've got one in my kitchen, which I often fill, fill the kettle up with cold water and I'll move it from one surface kitchen top to the other. So you sort of create like a little square behind you. So you, you're really having to work on that leg because I find that that is pretty key for more sort of lower, lower limb injuries. And certainly really good work for when you come in to do any sort of rehab is that balance side of it. Because if there's a muscle that's too tight, the opposite muscle will be relaxed. 
So how that would work, that your, your body would end up pulling yourself towards that muscle that's too tight. So to keep yourself upright, your muscles send a message to your brain. Your brain goes, oh, we need to do the opposite of that. So then it'll relax the tight muscle and tension up, tense up the relaxed muscle. So it's just that shift in balancing. Um, I also, after I do any sort of session with that, rolling your feet on tennis balls or a golf ball um, is pretty good because especially if you're working in sort of chains, most things either start or finish with your feet. So for instance, if you, if you try and stand up and touch your toes, not many people can do it straight away, but if you spend a couple of minutes rolling your feet out and then you'll find that you can touch your toes a bit or at least get close to your toes, which is a really weird thing when you think about it, because normally it comes from like your hamstrings or your lower back. Um, so I do spend quite a lot of time and advise most people running off road to spend a lot of time taking care of the feet, really rolling the feet out, keeping them nice and warm um, and doing a lot of stability work as well. Okay, that's interesting. So, I mean, I, I, um, I made a, a joke with, to you, with you. Um, the other day on WhatsApp about you, your obsession with tennis balls and rolling the feet. And uh, yeah. it was re really interesting that, um, the way you kind of explain the reasoning, um, basically what you just explained then. Um, and, and is that something, I mean, let, let's be honest, people are lazy. So if, if I'm sitting here at my desk like I am now, is it going to help if I've got a, a tennis ball under my desk and I'm, I'm just sitting here rolling it or do I need to be standing up or what's, what's the deal with that? So most, as I say, most of the things that I give people to do, you can do them anywhere you are and however you want. Well, you know, normally, however. So, yeah, people who are sat at a desk the whole time for, for work, tennis ball on the floor, rolling your foot round is going to help. Sometimes you will need to stand up so you can put a bit more pressure into it. But certainly the warming up stage of it, when you sat down, would be spot on. Um, you know, also, I mean, I've made videos for, you know, massage videos for coming uh, from your your clients in the past where, you know, you're treating the hamstrings, you can do that sat upright in a chair because your legs bend, so it means the muscles short, so it gives yourself something to push against. Whereas if you think of like traditional foam roller in, you'd have your leg out straight, your leg out straight, so the hamstrings stretch. So you, you're sort of losing that muscle bulk. Um, so you don't have as much to, to push against. Um, so, yeah, most of the things that you can do sat down, most of them you can do leaning against a wall. Um, you know, I've had one of my patients is soon to be stand up paddleboarding all the way around the coast of Scotland. So we've had to come up with a few, a few um, exercises and things you can do leaning against like a van at the end of the day. So if, if, you know, we can get uh, encouraging to do, to do those things and hopefully it means it makes the trip a bit easier for you. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, okay, so that's, that's really interesting. So um, folks, those people that are listening, make sure you get a tennis ball under your desk um, and th there's no excuses really. Um, and where are we at with, with stretching these days? So that's always a, a common one. People, you know, should they stretch before? Should they stretch after a run? Should they stretch when they get home? Um, I've read um, articles and, and bits of information recently that stretching is a load of rubbish. Um, uh, and I probably shouldn't admit this before uh, you answer your question, but Run Adventures just did a, uh, a T-shirt that said, 
trail runners don't stretch on it. Um, more of a statement than advice, I would say. Um, but what's the what's the official line at the moment? Should we be stretching or not? So have you ever played with Play-Doh as a yeah, kid? Yeah, all the time, yeah. mate. I still do it now with the kids. Well, of course you will, yeah. So if you get, take the Play-Doh straight out of the packet and you try and stretch it, what would happen to it? Oh, it's like a test. What does happen? It, 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 it stretches, doesn't it? No, it'll snap. Oh, it snaps. Okay. It, it wants you, you need to warm it up. So once right. you roll it in your hands and get Not it nice these days, and Not these days, valuable. mate, you don't. <laughs> well, okay, well, when I was a kid and you used to play with Play-Doh, it used to be rock hard in the in the tub or the packet. You get it out and it would snap. Or like blue tack kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Once you warm it up and you get it moving, then you'll find it becomes a lot more malleable and you can really stretch it. Sure. So stretching, yes, it can be important. There are lots of different types of stretching which you can yeah. do which some will be more effective than others. But I personally, for, for a lot of injuries, but again, you know, everyone is different, but I would rather not stretch as much, warm the muscle up using a hot water bottle for a couple of minutes, and then do some massage using, using a tennis ball, a hockey ball, and you can treat it like that. Because muscles have different ways that they can be tight. So they can be tight because it's short and it's like contracted as much as possible. Or it can be tight because it's being pulled as long as possible. So it's pulled tight. So it's all like an elastic band. When you stretch it out, it's stretched, but it's tight. So it's all at the end of that range. So stretching a muscle that's at that stage isn't going to want to stretch anymore. So you're better off to try and find different ways of, of treating it. Um, so yeah, stretching on cold muscles, everyone's always like, oh no, you should never ever do that. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you, you can get away with it. Everyone's body's different though. So what works for me doesn't necessarily always work for you. So that's why if you, you know, you can find someone, a good sort of therapist in some sort of way, you know, they can hopefully point you in the direction which might work better for your body, depending on what, what the injury is. So sadly, there isn't like a one box, one, you know, miracle cure for for everything. Sure. Um, but if you can find someone who knows what they're on about, I'm not necessarily, I'm saying I'm that person, you know, all your people down south must travel up to see me because I'm the guy who, who can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, someone who's good. And also, if, if you are ever going to see someone, don't be afraid to question why. You know, if they're telling you, oh, you know, you've got runner's knee because your glutes are weak. If you're running, you know, 50 miles a week with a lot of uphill, the chances are your glutes aren't really that weak. They might not be firing the right order, but probably more often than not, they're not weak. Um, <clears throat> you see, there's lots of little phrases like that which get thrown about as if it's, oh, that's the one answer for that. You know, deal with that yourself kind of thing. So don't ever be afraid to ask. You know, and for people to properly explain things for you and to get another opinion of someone. Yeah. Yep. I think I think that's very important and something that I tell people all the time because I mean it's I mean it's like I take my car to the mechanic. I don't know anything about cars, so I just if he tells me that something needs fixing, then it needs fixing. But it's not yeah, yeah. always the case, yeah. is it? So no. um yeah, absolutely. Uh folks that are listening. Um, as Jacob said, 
question what the what the physio is saying to you um, and make sure that, that they kind of understand I guess I think that you're doing and want to be doing as well and and as I say to all my clients make sure that if you are seeing a physio they have some sort of background in in running because um, there's lots of different types of physio out there um, and some uh, you know we don't we won't name names but some um, are not great at giving advice to runners. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I never, I never like to, I don't poo-poo anyone's profession because, you know, I'm sure there, there are many people better than me at what I do. But, you know, it's I get a lot of people who come to see me as well who say, oh, I've been to see this person, they said I've got that. And sometimes there's absolutely no evidence to show that that's what it is. So that, again, is, is what we were always taught is to treat what you find. So, you know, if you've got someone coming in with a knee issue, why is that knee doing that? You know, it usually, or it could be coming from higher up, it could be coming from lower down, but, or sometimes it could be on the completely different leg and the pelvis is so badly out of the line that that's just where the issue is coming. So if there's nothing wrong with that leg, even though they've experienced the pain from it, you know, you might not necessarily always have to treat that leg, it could be something else. So that's then when you get in this difficult position sometimes of having to explain to the to the patient what is actually going wrong or what you believe is going wrong. So, you know, I've got like a, a skeleton in my clinic, which I'm often putting in funny positions to try and recreate what this person's going through. Um, <clears throat> so sometimes you do need a little bit of imagination when I've got elastic bands or pretending to be a, a muscle on a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's the, you get some, um, and I'm speaking from experience of chatting to clients, uh, some physios will treat the pain and not the not the cause, as you kind of just alluded to. So um, that's something just to be aware of as well if you are going to, to see someone. Um, so uh, final thing on this then, um, I mean, we can all, all of us, I hold my hand up, I'm uh, not great at, at looking after myself as far as um, uh, strength work and things like that are concerned. But what's the uh, the most common thing that runners are neglecting, um, which would help them um, in their running? Is there, is there one kind of uh, thing that if you're going to do nothing else, you should do this? Well, my, my thing would, and you know what I'm going to say, my thing would always be doing work with tennis balls or with, you know, a hockey ball or a cricket ball or something. So a bit of self-massage for yourself. You know, if you were to, so for instance, the lady who trained me, Sue, made a load of short videos for uh, for Rupert Bonington, who's at Mountain Fuel. So if you go on his his YouTube channel, all the videos on there with some self, little tiny, quick, easy self-help methods that you can do, which are probably better to watch the video than me explain over a podcast. Um, so, you know, I that would be the thing that I would always say to do. If, if you are actively treating your muscles yourself then you can do, achieve a lot more than going to see someone like me for an hour a week because one hour a week usually won't make a massive amount of difference um as opposed in comparing comparison to what you can do yourself so that's why most people who leave me hopefully go away with three or four things that they can do until they see me next time and we can take it from there. Okay, brilliant. Um, 
Okay, so so moving on, uh, it's just one last thing I wanted to speak to you about, and that is the tea round, which is, um, well, I'll get you to explain it um, properly in a moment, but um, people will be familiar with the Bob Graham round um, up in the lakes and lots of other rounds, um, some which have been around for many, many years, and I've noticed quite a few kind of appearing in the last few years, especially uh, over lockdown there's there seems to be um routes and rounds and things popping up here there and everywhere we've even got one in Surrey now mate you should uh, come and oh, give yeah. it a go <laughs> yeah. oh, <wow. laughs> but um the the George Fisher's tea round uh was created by your good self I believe yes it was go so on, tell us all about I've, it I've got a very very short attention span so me working in a shop probably wasn't the great the best idea in the world like when it was a nice sunny day, I used to stand there looking out the window, just like, oh, please, I want to be outside. <laughs> so in George Fisher upstairs, there's, there's a cafe and there's a, like Velux windows which look out straight onto the fells. And above the windows, there was a painting which had the names of the fells that you could see out of, you know, people looking, oh, that looks good. What fells that? You could see it was Causey Pike. So, so one day there was a, a chap who, one of my colleagues used to work with me, he said, hey, Jacob, that would be a good day, wouldn't it? So, and he'd started to sort of put together a bit of a route. So he'd put together a bit of a route. I'd put together a bit. I'd go and run a bit on my days off and try and get this route. So it was, it was you know, we could tick off all the visible fells from the shop, starting and finishing at the front doors of the shop. And then after a, you know, a couple of months, really, we, we got this route together. And I decided that it was the 17th of May, 2017. I was going to go try and run it which just so happened to be the hottest day of the year that year. And I got to the top of Whiteless Pike, which was about halfway through and basically collapsed with um, heat exhaustion. Um, but the route itself is, when I first made it, it was about 32 miles and about 13,000 feet of ascent. Um, now there's a couple of good racing lines which knock off quite a bit of distance and when I did it back in October last year, I actually got it down to 26 miles. So there's a big chunk that you can take off by having some some secret fell running lines, which I won't ever disclose so that people don't be in my time. <laughs> so are you the record holder at the moment? I am not, no. Uh... No. no. But it was, a, it was a real slow burner to begin with because I had to go and then I was all set for having another go and being the first person to do it. And then this chap... Uh, well, I'll never forget his name, Andrew Martindale is called, just walked into the shop and he came up to me and went, is Jacob talking about? And I was like, that's me. He goes, yeah, I've just done your round, eh? And I was like, no, you haven't. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've done it. And I was like, oh, no. So he beat me to it. I was absolutely gutted. Um, but the original challenge was to do it in the cafe opening hours, so from 10 till 5. So you had, what, like eight hours to do it. Um, and it was a while before anyone got anywhere near that time and now the, the records i think it's four hours 44 minutes oh, wow. so it's absolutely insanely quick really um so and it's you know it's just a nice other round and a lot of people are using it as a stepping stone to go on and do you know the bob graham or you know any other big sort of rounds um and a lot of people treat it as a as a good day out um there's a, a smaller version which does the first the first fell and the last two fells of the full tea room round, which is called the espresso round. 
which a lot of folk in Keswick use it as a, a winter training run um, or people use it again as a stepping stone to then do the tearing round. So it's something I'm, I'm quite quite proud of, really, that I've had a, you know been able to make something which has now become so popular. And I think there's a good, there'll be a good two, 300 people that have had a go at it now. Um, so, and if you, certainly if you're around by Buttermere on a weekend, you'll normally see at least one group or a couple of runners who are doing the, the tearing round. And yeah, it's really taken off. So there's a, again, if you go on the, the George Fisher website, there's a video which two of my mates were running around whilst I'm sort of narrating the way through. So it does have subtitles on for people who can't understand my Keswick accent. <laughs> Sadly, something that we can't offer for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that when you when you invited me to do it, I was thinking, Christ, how is he going to put subtitles on this? <laughs> um, awesome. So uh, the uh, I need to get up to uh, to come and visit when all this COVID stuff is out the way and yeah. give the tea round a good go. Um, so, I mean, to finish, I just wanted to thank you, really, Jacob, for, for taking the time. It's been really interesting and hopefully people have um, got a few uh, good tips to um, avoid uh, having to go and see someone like your good self. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange confession to be in because obviously you want people to come and see you, but at the same time, hopefully you help them enough so that they don't come back. Exactly. Someone who I someone who I first trained with said, oh, really, we should only be fixing people 80%. So that there's always 20% of a little niggle, so they have to keep coming back, <laughs> which I don't do. I don't do. I try and help people as best I can. <laughs> Please tell me you do the classic when they're leaving and you say, I hope I'll never see you again. I don't actually know. I do have a pair of crutches by the door so that people can, like, hobble out of sometimes just to uh, make make my next patient feel a bit nervous. <laughs> nice, nice. I love it. Um, listen, I am off to order some tennis balls for under my desk. That sounds very weird out of context. Um, and uh, and look at the diary to come up and, and have the have a go at the tea round. Um, thank you, mate, for uh, for talking to us. No it's worries. been a pleasure. And um, I hopefully see you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. I'll see you soon, hopefully. Take care. Take care, mate. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and spread the word. You can contact me on Instagram at running underscore Bucky or search for running adventures for all your trail running needs, including trail weekends, coaching, guided runs and much, much more. Until next time, goodbye and happy running.